0: You're listening to the AID Network.
1: Citizens of Disneyland, thank you so much for tuning in to another episode of Disneyland for Designers. To celebrate that we've been coming to you for five months, five episodes, for a very limited time, you can get the Magical Idea t-shirt. It's available for a limited pre-order for the next 13 days. Hurry, get your order in before Monday, May 20th, 2019. Shirts will ship out first week in June. And then the design goes into the Disneyland for designers vault. You love the logo. You love the idea of that red and white light bulb problem solving at its finest. Today's episode is all about that magical problem solving that we all love. Be on the inside, be on the know, be a true Disneyland for designer with the magical idea t-shirt on at your next rip all around 1313 Disneyland. And if I happen to see you at the park, Wearing the Magical Idea t-shirt? Well, I might have a prize for you. Pre-order your shirt today at AID.network and as always, become a Circle of Trust member to save on each and every purchase. Pre-order available to May 20th, 2019. Citizens of Disneyland, you need to save time and money no matter what you send. And think about it, if you save time, that's more time at the park, and if you save money... That's more stuff to buy at the park. So why would you ever consider overpaying for your postage? Starting at only $4.99 a month, you can print labels and stamps right there from your own printer. Easily compare rates using our online software. Gain access to special USPS savings for letters and priority mail shipping. Plus, track all of your shipments and get email notifications when they arrive how do you do this? You go to pb.com design to access this special offer and to get a free 30-day trial plus a free 10-pound scale to get you started. That's pb.com slash design. Experience a better way to ship with a free trial of Simpro Online from Pitney Bowes. That's pb.com slash design. And remember, when you support the advertisers of the AID.network, you support all of our content. And for that, we thank you. This is the story of a beautiful place known as the happiest place on earth and all of its history, its secrets, and its tricks that you may find if your mind believes in design and you allow your heart to believe in magic. Step inside and become a citizen of Disneyland. You've wrote it, you liked it, and you wrote it again and again. Most folks seem to love it, and some even claim it as their personal Disneyland favorite. But even though it's been around for 25 years, have you ever stopped to think about it? the problem-solving, the designing within restriction, and how this beloved attraction, some say oddity, ever came to be, today we're going to look at the unique design of Indiana Jones Adventure, the Temple of the Forbidden Eye. Today we'll explore how Indiana Jones Adventure will be looked back at historically as a beloved Disneyland oddity, and many of the ways it inspired the advanced concepts, style, design, and storytelling that we're all excited to experience in next month's opening of Star Wars Galaxy's Edge. So grab your fast pass, pivot over to the right, and walk all the way up to the temple. Today, we're taking a half-mile walk where we'll walk past statues of snakes, hand-carved rocks, and so many skulls, where we'll try the entire way to never look into Mara's eyes. It's Indiana Jones Adventure, a beloved Disneyland oddity on Disneyland for Designers, episode number five. And the adventure starts right now. Jared Murrow, welcome to the show. Oh, that was very good. What was that? I'm sorry. I it's Jared Murrow, uh, my my partner in crime. Perfect. Perfect enunciation. Yes. I always get it right. Okay. Today on the show, we're going to talk about the new kid on the block. We're going to talk about the newest attraction that everybody's going nuts for at Disneyland. It's called Indiana Jones and <sighs> in the Temple of the Forbidden Eye. How insane is it that that's the newest attraction at Disneyland? Part of me still doesn't believe it. I haven't gone
0: back and researched this. I know you've said this before, but I...
1: It's a half lie. (laughs) Yeah, you have to kind of sort through it. It's a half lie because technically Roger Rabbit came after. Mm. But Roger Rabbit, I don't really consider that to be a real Disneyland attraction. Right, right, right. Because one, I had visited the park for probably about a year until I was like... There's a ride over there? (laughs) The movie has no grip on me whatsoever. Mm. It just, to me, it's probably the oddest attraction inside of Disneyland. Yes. And I I know a lot of people love it. Yeah. Everybody loves, everything there is special to somebody. Mm. It's just not special to me. But when we look at like core big attractions, Indiana Jones, 1995, spring of ninety five, is the newest attraction. I wanted to talk about this today. Because we are on the edge of Star Wars Galaxy Edge opening up. Yes. And uh, I thought it would be really interesting to look at the last big build out and sort of measure where are we at? You know, we're 25. five. I'm going to round up and say we're 25 years Mm -hmm. from the last major build out. Look how far we've come. You know, in that time span, they have built a whole new park. Yeah. Rebuilt a whole new park, mm-hmm. repainted and rethemed a whole new park. <laughs> like, look at all of the effort that California Adventure has been given since Indiana Jones opened its gate.
0: Right. Right. Which is
1: insane. Yeah. And I think that's that's exactly
0: it. Right. This other park, this other thing, making it from the Disneyland Park to the Disneyland Resort. Really yeah. is the transition. And then in that process, Disneyland sort of got like, it's fine. We're busy over here. Just maintain, clean up. Do some anniversaries, I think that took up a lot of that time in sure. there, sure. But, um, yeah, amazing to think that this attraction was the last big, I guess, what e ticket would we say? Yes, yes, because I'm not
1: putting Roger Rabbit in the e ticket right. class, right? No, no, sorry, it's more of a Z. Uh, oh no, Z would be great, it's like a lowercase a. That's how <laughs> yeah. I'm going to put it there. Somebody at home right now is like typing, like, I oh, love Roger Rabbit. I met my husband on Roger Rabbit. It's the great... My kids love it. Uh, Brandon, Bishop, and <laughs> Bailey all love it. We love riding it. Follow us at DisneyFamily1955 on Instagram. Oh, okay, Bishop's the worst. <laughs> that kid, he needs to grow up. <laughs> and he will one day. So this is what I would love to talk about. The Galaxy's Edge rollout. Mm-hmm. There has been... Endless hours of speculation. Yeah, How will it work? How will we get in there? And I'm going to say, I don't want to be one of these content creators. It's like Disney can do no wrong. Every corporation can do a little wrong. But I feel like the res- reservation system yeah. was handled as about as fairly, as efficiently, and they didn't price gouge. Mm-hmm. I single-handedly was willing to spend up to $1. Thousand U.S. dollars right. for a private screening of Galaxy's Edge. Right, right. I got it yesterday morning at ten oh six a.m. for absolutely free. Yeah, for me and five of my closest friends.
0: So now I know this is everyone's talking about this right now. When we're on this record date, how did it go? I did not actually go to the queue and do all of that. You did the hotel gimmick. I did the hotel gimmick. Uh, how did it go? Was it?
1: Was it easy? Was it like a queue kind of thing? So this is how it worked. And then I'd love to hear about you doing the opposite direction, which is I want to get a hotel room, Mm -hmm. so I'm guaranteed admission. So the way that the reservation system worked is this. It said, 10 a.m., we're going to hand out reservations. Right. But I knew I'd be working. Mm -hmm. So at 830, I loaded up the page onto web browsers, put it on Chrome, put it on Safari. I said, whichever one actually gets me the reservation will become my official browser. (laughs) And it had a really interesting legal language on it. There's no need to refresh this page. It will not help out at all. At 10 a.m. it will go live. Mm. But you are currently in line. It did say that. It did say that. Wow. So by going there at 830, by not refreshing, I had a 90 minute. Mm -hmm. run of whoever else was showing up was going behind.
0: So we have no idea how long it was that that kicked in. If someone had come in four
1: hours, would they have been in line? Like At what point like midnight that previous day? I guess it would be when they actually switched over the server and did that. So we don't know what that loose time was. But I will tell you this at 10.01 a.m., nothing had changed. Mm -hmm. So because I had two browsers up, I'm like I'm going to refresh on one, yeah. stay the course on the other. And so I started refreshing and just nothing was happening. Yeah. And so then I did what you always do in a crisis. It went over to Twitter and people were like servers already crashed. Yeah. Nobody's getting anything. And as I was reading through the bullshit, I looked up out of my new robotic eye and I saw that my page that was frozen in time clicked over. Yeah. It became blue and it had a login. So obviously my Disneyland username and password is stored in my browser. Mm -hmm. So I go right in and it said, you can pick a reservation. Mm. And I got in so early that I could have actually booked my reservation on the Friday that it opens. Right. Yeah. It doesn't sound like that was too hard to get. No. And so I looked at the Friday and I thought, oh man, I'm now playing schedule God for five other people. Mm -hmm. So I said, Friday, people probably have plans. Saturday and Sunday, not everybody's pass would be active. True, And so I said, you know what? I want to go with Monday because that'll probably be a little bit of a quieter day at the park. Sure. We're all locals. Nobody has anything super important to do on a Monday. And I was able to get the time that I wanted the most, the 5 uh, p.m., 9 p.m., which means I'll get to see it in the sunlight. Yes, I'll get to see the sunset. Sunset's on the west. This part of the park faces the west. Yeah, and I'll get to see it lit up. I can't
0: wait to see it lit up. I think actually. Dusk is going to be the most amazing time for this park. We won't get that early morning thing, obviously, ever. I think it's going to be that transition from day to night is going to look the most Star Wars-y. Well, uh, it, and the it, thing the, looks gorgeous. So. The sun
1: will be sitting behind it. Yeah. And that beautiful, warm California sun that we get, I just can't wait to see how mm-hmm. it kisses the back of those, you know, giant tree rocks. Yeah. So I'm, I'm curious about the nighttime lighting. I'm curious oh. kind of about the... What is
0: going to be the philosophy, the storytelling? Because these aren't going to be, we're not inside. We're not having, you know, realistic lighting. They have to sort of light, sort of like Cars Land, yeah. have to find a way to light this thing that looks natural at night without looking like you just have a bunch of spotlights hitting rocks.
1: I'm anticipating an Adventureland type lighting Mm. even indiana jones you know when you're going through the queue and the lights are flickering and it feels like feels like you have an unstable power source coming in like i feel like that's the way that we're gonna go i do have to say though um when i got my reservation yeah i like ran through the house like i ran i scared my wife i ran through the house (laughs) because just after looking at this for three years yeah and when I realized that I had a major medical operation lined up with the release of this, and I thought you'd have to pay big money to get in, right. I kind of give, gave up on it. And just the way that it all kind of, like I said, one night when you and I were hanging out at Club 33, I said, I'm not worried about it. Right. Yeah. I fall backwards into everything. That's I fall right. backwards into this. And sure as hell, that's that's what happened. And it, it all came together. And just that system, you know, it wasn't like they like. It wasn't the type of system where... You were able to get in, put it in your cart, and say no. Right. It's like once you got that invite in, you get had all in. the time you needed to put it together.
0: So it's just taking its time through the queue. Yes, that's huh, amazing.
1: A very Disney, yeah, approach mm-hmm. and, and vibe. And I had all of my five other names already typed out, and I was like shaking, like yep. copying, pasting them over to get it in there. <laughs> but it was. It was a tremendous. It was that disruptive joy where you can't go back to work.
0: Yes, yes. you know, you're all buzzy about it. Yeah, I was. So, I was yeah. so
1: high on life that if I didn't have an interview up in Santa Monica, I probably would have went straight to Disneyland. Right, just yeah. shake it off. Yeah, could you imagine going to Disneyland to come down from a high? <laughs> <laughs> so you and your crew. Yeah, you did it the opposite way. Mm-hmm. You did the hotel. How early did you? Because I tried the hotel thing, but we dragged our hills, yeah, and we weren't able to get anything that was close to being affordable. Uh, so I didn't,
0: I, you know, I can't even remember. Like, I wasn't intending to do this. We talked about it in general, uh, and I just thought everything was going to, I thought they were going to skyrocket the prices yep. first thing. And then I thought, it's just going to be gone. People are just going to panic and make a reservation and then either cancel it. You know, I have to give my good. kids the world. Yeah, I'll yeah. swipe any fee. So it was just like, I'm like, I'm going to check in. And then I looked at Paradise Pier, assumed that would be the cheapest route <laughs> to go. It better be. Yeah. And it was. It was a normal priced day. And and it just came up. And I picked a weekday just like you, thinking like, all right, maybe things will be a little calmer. Maybe the kinks will be worked out. And yep. Just some of that stuff. So we did Tuesday. Um, got it. I just did one day, put us all on there. And um, yeah, that was it. Now, that was back when there was no confirmation about how this was gonna work. All yep. it said was you are guaranteed access to the thing. More information is coming soon. Right. That information does come in an email and they have the dates wrong. Everybody's dates are wrong. The the system somehow bumped everybody one day for some reason. To your checkout day? Yeah. So like it's like I had one day so it was fairly obvious. Like they said you will be able to access Star Wars land on Tuesday, which is check in day. I'm like, that seems odd. Like how do they know when we're going to get there? Like, we can't even check into
1: the hotel. Because you got time. the 8 a.m. slot. Yeah,
0: we got the 8 a.m. to noon. And so then I looked on Twitter, just like you, and it's everyone's just screaming. Right. So if you had days, like multiple days in there, uh, it, it looked like it was fine. And so it's these shorter ones, I think, where people started realizing the days are all off. And so people were saying, oh, I got an entrance time the day before it was supposed to open. Yeah. So, uh, of course, the line's just... Got packed and they immediately put a recording saying we are aware of the mistake and another email will come. So
1: And then you yeah. had a second email and it's so we all Yeah, that second email away. and all the dates were we're fine. So I just I cannot believe that on Monday, June third, I get to walk through the gate. Yep. And to do it in the evening Six people, by the way, how many people flies the Millennium Falcon? (laughs) Six. Smart. What have I been complaining about? You're going to do like a group building exercise with strangers and sticky kids that are screaming in the back, I want to fly, I (laughs) want to fly. My turn. And I decided that I am going to, no ifs about it, I did the reservation, I'm the obsessed super fan. That's right. I'm sitting in that Han Solo seat. Get in the back, DK. DK. Get in the back and figure out those patterns. <laughs> Beth, get on the think, lasers. How do you think this day is going to go?
0: Like that's my next thing. So we were first worried about obsessed with these reservations. How's that going to go? Are people queuing up like at five in the morning to get in at their time? Like is that going to help? Is that going to make
1: a difference? I, I don't think so. That's going to happen. After the soft opening, mm-hmm. that's going to be the next wave of hysteria. Non reservation, right? When we're into the general, the gin pop days. Yeah. When, you, when we're into that, that's going to be when there's the line all the way down downtown Disney. Right, like you are you're sleeping in a sleeping bag at the security checkpoint because that's how far the right. line is. Right. I think from what I've been hearing, they did three thousand reservations. It's either this is where it's foggy. Okay. It's either three thousand reservations per day, oh, which would put you in the park with seven hundred and fifty people because there's four time slots, or it's three thousand guests per block. That sounds more right to me, but I don't know my numbers. If you do three thousand people, I believe that the Millennium Falcon attraction can hold. About that number of mm-hmm. with the queue and all that stuff. So let's just assume that it's three thousand. So when you're in there in your four hour block, there will be fifteen hundred people probably all times over trying to do Millennium Falcon, right? And there will be fifteen hundred people roaming the streets and the shops. Okay. It does feel a little bit anticlimactic that Rise of the Resistance is not completed. It that that does put a damper on things because we'll have to go all through this rigmarole again. Right. But I was explaining to Beth, she goes, well, we're going to spend all that time. Wait, she's already naysaying it. <laughs> I said, look, that, this is going to be like Mickey's Not So Scary Halloween Party. Mm. It's going to be an intimate vibe. They're not going to pack it up. Why would they do this and pack it up? They want these original RSVP people, hotel people mm-hmm. like yourself. They want us to go in there and to see all of the theming And experiential work that they did. They want it it to work for somebody. And so I think that this will probably be the most optimal time in the history of Galaxy's Edge to ever walk through the gate. Right. So get a strong rollout. Great reaction. People are super excited
0: just to be in there. Mm -hmm. Right. And so it's not just packed to the hilt. And you can come out and say, oh, my God, it was amazing. That rush is done. The press rush. Everything's done. And then it's like, okay, everyone in. And then they can have a bad experience. <laughs> and
1: and I, I I think that they put so much work into the Black Spire Outpost. Yeah. In the shops, the experience. You know, we're going to be able to see animatronics that aren't a part of attractions for the first time. You know, like a, a ride attraction. And all the work that they did with the, the play app, the Disney mm-hmm. play app as your decoder. I think they want people to really go in there, get blue milk without having to wait in line right. for two hours. Right. And I have a strategy I'd like to suggest. Oh, here we go. I'm going to go in at 5 o'clock. Yeah. I'm going to rip around, do a lap, walk around, hit some shops. I got to get out at 9. What happens if I get in line for the Millennium Falcon at 8.59? That's exactly what I'm wondering. Huh? Like, what is the strategy huh? here? Disney rules, right? Yeah. As long as you're in before close, they'll accept your ride. Right. What's the cutoff? Because what if you walk around and they go, oh, sorry, your time's up. And then you didn't get to ride the attraction.
0: The nine o'clock makes sense because they can let that thing run until they're done, right? Yeah. They cut it off at nine, and they can—that'll be easy to fill that out. It's those mid.
1: Uh, well, there's a group time after times. mine. Oh,
0: there is a there's there is an a late. eight to midnight. Okay, which okay. I
1: almost took, but my I knew that Beth like I'm tired. Yeah, I'm like, yeah, yeah. What are you? Go sleep in the car. So there is that. See, that's what I'm
0: wondering. Like. In the middle of the day, it seems like that can get a little dicey. You're trying to get every—I mean, are they going to clear it out? Well, it's
1: got to be wristbands. No, there's an overlap because we're 5 to 9. Yeah. Next group is 8 to 12. So there'll be an hour where they're loading folks in and trying to get rid of others. So I'm going to tell my group, hey, let's rip the land for three hours, somewhere in that 8 o'clock hour. Let's make our way over to the Millennium get Falcon. Online. See, because part of me was thinking, like, the way they should do
0: it is, like, everyone, the majority, I think it's safe to say, wants to do the ride, right? Probably that's going to be key. It's almost like we will escort you to that queue, you know, like when you're coming mm. in for your time and saying, you can go to this queue. We're going to take you now. If you get on, you will get on this ride. If you don't want to do this ride, fine. But that was your chance to get on the ride because... This is the
1: pink bracelet time. Right. And after that, Got no on, more pink, pink bracelets are going yeah. <laughs> to What if they do this, though? What if, to keep it fair, Yeah, your bracelet has a scan, and you get one scan to get on that Millennium Falcon? In your time period. In your time period. Yeah. So that the So that they can service everyone. Everybody gets a ride. Because, I mean, there are the, the ride crushers who are like, we rode it five times. Exactly. Like, that would be their badge of honor. Right. But that could complicate... I don't know, man. Who, You know what? I know. They figured it all out to this it's moment. It's going to happen. I think they did a really good job... Oh, I do too. ...on this rollout. Here's a fun fact for you that I learned from my deep dives on the dark web of Disney. In order for an attraction to be considered ready for the public... Yeah. It has to be able to run for 48 hours straight. Fascinating. Isn't that a fascinating t- test? It is. Yeah. And just this week that we're existing in, we're recording the show the Friday before you guys are hearing it live, delayed live, they just, Imagineers, handed over the keys to the park. Uh. They're done. There's no more painting, no more scaffolding. They picked up all their trash. They picked up their, their coolers. Like, The land as we know it right now over there is done. It's operational. It's in testing. That means there's probably select groups that are going through, getting to be guests. Staff are showing up, Mm -hmm. getting in costume, getting in wardrobe, getting into their spots, learning their characters. Yeah. This is going to be wild. It's crazy. My biggest regret is that we're not in the same party. I know, I know. But it'll be interesting because we might have a different perspective. Two different perspectives, right. two different times. We're covering more ground by divide, <laughs> divide and conquer the galaxy's edge. What do you say we get into today's topic and talk about Indiana Jones? Let's do it. Hey, citizens of Disneyland, before we get into today's feature topic, Indiana Jones Adventure, Temple of the Forbidden Eye. I want to remind you that for a limited time, the next 13 days you can pre-order the Magical Idea shirt from AID.network. After that pre-order, the shirts go into the Disneyland for Designers vault. And I also want to remind you when you become a member of the Circle of Trust, not only do you support Adventures in Design bringing you content 200 episodes a year, a talk show for creatives and dreamers just like you every Monday through Friday, but you also, as a reward, you get a discount on all merchandise. So if you want to get the Magical Idea t-shirt, Sign up and become a member of the Circle of Trust and save on your purchase. And you'll also be rewarded with an extra 30 minutes of bonus content on today's episode, as well as the full versions of the previous four episodes of Disneyland for Designers and all the ones to come in the future. Hear the whole conversation, save money, and most importantly, support the show at aid.network. Hey, friends, I'm talking about hats, 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 custom embroidery, custom threads, custom effects. There's no better time to stock the retail shelves, outfit the crew, or get the team looking like they're ready to win with professionally embroidered headwear from your friends over at Jack Prince. Choose from over two dozen of their most popular styles proudly emblazoned with your brand. And hey, if you don't see the style of customization your design needs or the brand that you want to wear, just ask Jack Prince. Always happy to help you customize and make the perfect product for you and your customers. Always more than happy to find the perfect hat just for you. Start your custom hat design and order today at jackprintscom slash circle of trust. Where shipping is always free on domestic orders. Okay, so this is kind of the angle that Jared and I are taking on this. If you want to know where every hidden Mickey Easter egg and fun fact is, Go over to YouTube. There's plenty of videos. Ten tips to Indiana Jones. (laughs) Today's a different sort of approach to this beloved attraction. We want to look at the design concept Mm. and where it fits in the 100-year history of Disneyland. And I would love to start here today, Jared. There are those projects that you get later in your career as an artist. And Mm -hmm. you're in that moment right now. A lot of the work that you do is design without restriction. Mm. Wonderground says, hey, we got a date for you in October. We're thinking Halloween. What do you want to do? Right, right. And you go through the note app on your phone and you scroll and you scroll and you scroll. You come up with whatever your idea is. You sit down, Apple in blank slate. You make whatever you want. Mm Mm-hmm. You don't really get that to the second part of your creative career. Right. Nobody right. starts out there. But another project that you get and you get these often is the design with the restriction. Hey, we need you to do a book. It's a part of a series. Mm-hmm. There's already a narrative. She already did the book before you. He's doing the book after you. You have this little slice of the pie. Right. It's design within restriction. Mm-hmm. It's not the world's your oyster. It's that these are the perimeters of the project. This is the budget. This is the space that it has to fit in. I think both are fun. Yep. Both have a unique set of challenges, but they're very different. And Indiana Jones is the second. It is designed within restriction. Mm-hmm. For sure.
0: I Like you said, there are advantages and disadvantages to both of those things. So I think it depends on how you work or what you like. The end result, you want those... Uh, qualifications to be sort of invisible it shouldn't look like you were the second guy to do the book before the third guy right so i think that kind of stuff is what what kind of what we're talking about today and really when
1: you think about the concept of fitting indiana jones Mm -hmm. into its little parcel of land it 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 works so effortlessly to Mm -hmm. us like oh wow the jungle the queue the attraction the exit The jungle crews next to us, the overgrown uh, foliage everywhere. Like it, it works perfectly to us. That's an insane amount of design thinking. Mm -hmm. If you look at this as a blank slate, because I look at it this way. Imagine being in the crew of Imagineers Mm -hmm. standing at the, the head of Adventureland going, I think we can put a ride right here. Right. Where? Right here. Where? right here. (laughs) I'm sorry. Are you pointing at the the tree house or at the Jungle Cruise? No, no, no. I'm pointing at the one tree in between them. Yeah. You're going to put what there? I don't know. A 50,000 or a 57,000 square foot attraction. Yeah. Is it going to be one floor that goes to to heaven? Like, how are (laughs) we going to do this? Well, we're going to have to figure it out. Yeah. Like, somebody literally had to go, I know where we'll put it. We'll put it here.
0: Put it where? This is one of the first ones, I think, that kicks off this kind of puzzle-making of the park, right? Yes. I think they've had so much other times where they can, uh, even with Toontown later on, to push out or to take up spots that uh, that existed that weren't visible from the inside of the park. But this is the first time I think we're getting that sort of puzzle-y, if we put the entrance here and we set the ride 10 miles back, this is how we make it work.
1: And I love that about Disneyland. And I love that Bob Iger has sworn... To use every piece of land that he can for the park, yeah. You know, he's saying backstage stuff. We can go elsewhere with that. Yep. We can shuttle things back and forth at night. I mean, like people on Instagram, are like I think Sleeping Beauty's Castle passed me on the way to work this morning. <laughs> yeah, you <laughs> see <exactly>. like, pieces <laughs> of the castle going down Ball Road. But I love the idea of a big city got built around us. Yeah, so we have to use every square inch like the officially now announced Mickey's Runaway, Runaway Train mm-hmm. which is going to go backstage keeping Toontown alive a little bit longer. Yeah. I love that idea of you know now the gag factory will become yep. the entry point. That's a beautifully designed shop, one of the best designed shops at the at the park. But I love this idea of somebody had to just be brilliant and go we can fit it here. And this comes into When you design within restriction, it's all about learning how to lean into what you have Mm -hmm. and lean away from what you don't have. Right. And I'll break this down real easy. If we were to set out to make an independent movie and our goal was we really want to make a movie and we know if we make a great cheap movie that we can get a bigger and better job later in our career. Hmm. The worst thing that we could do with our limited budget is be like, I want to make a sci-fi opera. Right. Right. I want spaceships and Martians and Wookiees and, and space Eskimos. Like, I want all this stuff, right? <laughs> it would look so horrible because all of that stuff is money, money, money. Mm-hmm. But if I told you I want to make the breakfast club in an elevator, mm-hmm. four strangers get stuck in an elevator, they have to work together, right when they come up with their plan, the building power's on, the doors open up, do they stay connected or not? Right. Like, that we could do. We could shoot in an elevator. Mm -hmm. We could get our four people in there. It's an incredibly small movie, an incredibly small concept. It's about storytelling and and about working together as a team. So that seems very possible. Mm -hmm. And then we could pitch our space opera because it would say, hey, remember when we kept you entertained for 90 minutes? Like, there's this movie, I believe it's called Locke or John Locke. And it's just, forgive me for not knowing his name off the top of my head. He played Bane, handsome man. Oh, yeah, yeah, in the car. He's driving. Yeah, Hardy. Tom Hardy. Yes. Huge crush on Tom Hardy. Oh, yeah. It's just him on the phone going from call to call to call in a car for 90 minutes. I watched it out of a dare. I'm like, this has got to be horrible. Yeah. Was on the edge of my seat. Yeah. One actor, one phone, and a car. Amazing. Mm -hmm. is Designing Within Restriction. So it's amazing that Indiana Jones today, by many guests, is seen as a perfect attraction. Yeah. So much reverse engineering had to be done to create that experience. Absolutely. Boy, that was a big trip to get around to that. But you're
0: absolutely right. I think that's like such a... Part of me thinks that that is like a 90s era kind of way of thinking, right? Like even the movies that you described, to me that feels very like the 90s were all of that. Like the Miramax era and this, like small movies that make all this money in huge ways. And interesting to apply that to something like Indiana Jones, which looks like just the most big, biggest budget you've ever seen for an attraction. But um, what they've done is just
1: clever. Very, very clever. And it's kind of one of those things that you have to open your mind to... That day, standing in Adventureland, mm-hmm. going, I think we can build it here. Yeah, but we're going to lose parking. I mean, just imagine in a corporate structure. Imagine the amount of naysayers. Like, yeah, but Tony, you've lost your mind. What about right. the Eeyore parking lot? We're we're going <laughs> to lose twelve hundred parking yeah. spaces. That's precious to somebody inside the corporate life. You yep. know, yep. and also, well, how how will we get people there? How will we get them out? Will this be a fire hazard? What about the railroad that we got to? contest with so when you think about it that way it's just unbelievable that they were able to pull it off and and what i love about disneyland is that restriction of anaheim
0: Mm -hmm.
1: that the five is right behind us and harbors on the other edge you know like we are locked into a major metropolitan city yeah that's where the critical thinking like in world out in orlando hey man we're just gonna rip down some more swampland. We own all those trees out there. You need, you need some room? Brrr, pave it, pave it. It's Sim City. Yeah, Where we're at, it's, it's that tile game of mm-hmm. I'm so close to making the tiger's face, but his ears are in the bottom corner. Yeah. How do I get that over where I need it without breaking out the tiger's face? I do love you feel that. that that fuels creativity?
0: I mean, like sometimes it could be a budgetary thing, but uh, when you look at this, like because of the limited space that they have here, like they've they've been able to hide the fact that they're making the best of these little spaces. Yeah. But do
1: you think that that sort of fuels the creativity? It fuels mine. Yeah, like I always tell people, Disneyland in a very weird way. You know, you can always remember Disneyland L.A., mm-hmm. Disney World, Orlando. It's right in the name, so that's how you can easily figure out which one you're talking about. But Disneyland, ironically, is a lot like New York City. Mm. It's all this history poured into the smallest amount Mm -hmm. of space ever orlando is a lot like la there's some cool stuff there it's all real far apart right and sometimes you lose your mojo get into the next piece of it yeah like in la you can't move the party you will break the party right that's why (laughs) la is a kind of not a big bar town or late night town right because if you're gonna have fun in Malibu, you're like, yeah, but well, it's 90 minutes to get back home. Right? Who's having fun in Malibu? People who live in Malibu. Mm-hmm. Who's having fun in Santa Monica? People who live in Santa Monica. You know what I mean? Like yeah. It's just too, too much to divide it all. So here are five ways that I wanted to break down to you. The Indiana Jones will be looked back historically as a beloved Disneyland oddity. Mm. I think that Indiana Jones, when you look at the 100-year mark of the park, it will be this weird... In between chapter of the old and the new. Like whenever you look at everything in nature, there's always a part where two pieces touch, you know? Mm-hmm. At some point, spring and summer have to touch each right. other. You right. know, winter and, and spring do as well. So there's these weird pressure points where the seams come together. And I think Indiana Jones is gonna look at it as a very important scene between two worlds. First off, as we discussed, it's the hidden attraction. Yeah. I don't see them again wanting to build something that basically has no guest facing show building. Right. Right. Like I know that there's that temple and I, and I love it, but Indiana Jones really would be so easy to miss if you were coming oh, yeah. here with your family, on uh, doing the, we got to get it all in in twelve hours. It would be so easy to walk by and never see it. Yeah, it's like a sign, basically, <laughs> <Yeah>. right? <laughs> and a horrible line. Yeah, yeah. But I, I don't see them again doing an attraction of this scale without the big to do, mm. right? Like it's almost, it's almost like mind-boggling that they would build a hundred million dollar attraction, hundred million and ninety dollars attraction of dollars and not really make a bigger deal out of where it's at.
0: Yeah. Like that yeah. just
1: seems like something they would never do again.
0: I think, especially back then, I wonder if the, um, cause I, I remember when this thing opened and uh, I wasn't as involved in a pre-internet. So like, you don't get all this sort of buzz around it. Like the fanfare, right? Like, Oh, we're upset that Indiana Jones is coming into a Disney park. We already had star tours at this point in, in, in EO. So Lucas had a presence there. So was this becoming sort of a Lucas park right. agreement? Right. Uh, that kind of thing. So, uh, it is hard to sort of take it out of context now where everything is IP. And everything uh, will be. Yeah. But back then, were they kind of shy about it? Did they like, well, let's tamper down that this isn't a Disney thing per se? Because yeah. Indiana Jones wasn't a Disney character. So I don't know. It's curious. But other than the fact, like, like what we've already said, just the space allotment, is that really what's driving so many of these decisions?
1: Do you prefer the IP rights?
0: Um. I don't, I wouldn't say in general I prefer the IP rights. I understand why they do it. Yeah. If they can sort of do that great match of where like this feels right, like Carsland. Yes. Then I am all for it. But let's go that elaborate. Let's not sort of, you know, half ass it and just slap a sticker of a character on it and say like,
1: now this is the movie ride. Yeah, Carl's, Carl's Land. <laughs> Cars Land. Carl's <laughs> Land is. Going to be looked at, I think, historically as the opening act for Star Wars Galaxy Edge.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Mm-hmm. It, it's the the main support, if you will, from the eyes of a concert goer. Yeah, because so much of what they did there, they're like, okay, we know this is possible. Yeah, you know, the outer rim that keeps you locked in, the the big breathtaking entry points. Um, the is it a dark ride or is it a thrill ride? Like you see cars, a lot of cars land is going to look like a small version of what we're getting with Galaxy's Edge. Right. And it
0: seems like now it has to be a land. Like It seems like we're moving away from a single attraction or just adding an attraction to an existing land, but it has to be its own whole package where there's at least two attractions, themed shops and restaurants, that kind of thing.
1: And the other part of the, the hidden traction concept is that this was the first ever... Big experiential ride queue. Hmm. Before you're looking at turnstiles, you know, switchbacks, switchbacks, yep. you're kind of right in front of the attraction. You kind of always have your eye on the ball, and you they do that Disney move where it's like, we're right at the hot oh, <laughs> we got to go all the way back and yeah. then zigzag. Oh man, so it's the first ever big experiential ride queue, but once again. Designing within restriction, Mm -hmm. you're making your guests walk one, a half mile. Yeah. It's a half mile out to the attraction. Mm -hmm. You got to keep people entertained. This same concept is mega repeated with the rise of the resistance. Mm -hmm. I mean, it is a ride that is all about the queue. Right. And the storytelling. And really, they know we got to let this thing at all times hold about 3,000 people. Right. So we can keep... 1,500, 2,000 people entertained in line. We have done our job. Mm-hmm. So it's really going to be looked back, I think, as the the birth of sort of that idea. The, the second thing that I would like to bring up is it's a direct reaction to competition. And what I love about capitalism is competition is always good for the marketplace, right. and that's why in the U.S. we try to have anti-monopoly laws. Mm-hmm. So when you look at Indiana Jones... Just think about it for a second. Remove your emotions. It is a universal ride in Disneyland. Yeah.
0: (laughs) It absolutely is. Right? That's right. That's right. Yeah.
1: I mean, it's a single attraction. It's not a part of a land. It's a movie. And it's a thrill. Like, you're going into a movie. Like, it is 100% a reaction to what was happening in the market. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Just like Star Wars Galaxy Edge is the reaction to the Wizarding World of Harry Potter. Exactly. Exactly. And it seems that... Disney takes the Apple approach of let the competition take a stab at it, we'll sit back we'll take our time and we'll perfect it. Citizens of Disneyland don't worry, the adventure isn't over yet. I got 30 more minutes for free listeners and I got an hour more of content coming your way for Circle of Trust members as well as Circle of Trust members don't forget that you get a discount on the Magical Idea t-shirt that we dropped over at AID.network. So sign up today, become a Circle of Trust member, and don't forget to go pre-order your t-shirt. We'll ship in June, and then the design goes back into the Disneyland for designers vaults. Coming up in the next hour and in the bonus content, we explore the ride's grand finale, how the magic works, and give you the tips and pointers on where to sit when riding this attraction. We also look at the Indiana Jones that we never got you know how big of an idea this concept really was and it got carved down to what we got which we're grateful for but man oh man were they shooting for the pie in the sky when they came up with their original ideas we also pivot over in the bonus content and look at Marvel Land updates why no complete start over for marvel like star wars galaxy's edge got why are they trying to fit it in a unique little pocket of space today's episode we'll look back historically on Indiana Jones and how it will be seen as the middle child of the Disneyland Resort at 100. When the park turns 100, I think that we will see that this was the middle spot of the idea, creation, and imagineering for the attractions that we all love. Wrapping up today's show, Jared and I each give our expectations for Star Wars Galaxy's Edge, which I'm now less than a month from being inside of. And last but not least... If you had the ability to ask Mara to receive one of his mystic gifts, would you choose to live forever, all the world's riches, or to be able to see into the future? All of this and so much more is coming up in today's bonus content of Disneyland for designers. Sign up today at AID.network. Let's get back into the adventure. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you even more for telling a friend and sharing this episode on social media, and letting the world know how much fun you're having stepping inside the magic with Disneyland for designers.
0: It also, I think, speaks to where the parks were at the time. I I think this was a difficult time for the parks. They're kind of coming out of a difficult time. Right, financially. Yeah, Star Tours and all that helped. Um, but uh, it seems at this point they were trying to shake this idea that we are a kitty, a kitty park. Yeah, that these are all just little kid rides and there's nothing for adults or older kids. Um, and so this definitely seems like a step in that direction. Uh, not only just the property that they chose, but it's more of a thrill ride, right? But still being sort of family friendly. Like it's not going to scare these kids to death. It, it probably did, but um, somewhere just, in the middle.
1: Yeah, and and to what you're saying is. It's a movie ride. Yeah. But so is Snow White or or Toad, yeah. you know, all of the other ones, but it's a live action movie ride. Mm-hmm. Which it's different when you're going into an animated world right. versus going into a world set on reality. Mm-hmm. So to me, the first time I came to the park and, and I my friends like, Oh, you gotta ride this. I thought, oh, that was even as a, a noob, yeah. I thought that was very exciting. That one feels different than the others. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm like? Oh, and I even remember going to the queue and seeing, you know, the Mercedes, the truck outside. There was actually, it's the truck that Indy was like yeah. underneath in the movie. I thought, I didn't think Disneyland did the um, exhibit ride. Proppy. The hard yeah. rock Cafe ride. You know, like <laughs> Planet Hollywood. That's the jacket that he wore. And over there's the map that he used to find Mara. Yeah. So I remember instinctively, just as an artist, saying this one fills off brand to Pirates, Haunted mm-hmm. Mansion, and um, the uh, Jungle Cruise. Mm-hmm. Which when you think about that one, two, three, four. Yeah. That's possibly the strongest corridor of the park. Mm-hmm. For sure. Yeah. Storytelling wise and just iconic. Yeah. And design definitely. and the aesthetic. And, you know, they've really done a great job with Project Stardust of yeah. adventure land feels good right now. Yeah. yeah. It doesn't feel like put your head down and just keep going. It does, like Because for whatever reason, people love to stop and have a conversation in front of Indiana Jones. Yeah. yeah. That's like people's <laughs> yes. favorite spot to stop and talk. And it's feeling really good in there right now. Mm -hmm. Like that whole cul-de-sac, the the buildings above the shops and the restaurants and still haven't ever had bingo barbecue. Oh, really? Yeah, it never works out. Yeah. The new uh, Dole Whip Lounge in the back corner there. So it's all come together really, really well. But to me, I, I think when you look at this ride, it's just, it's very different. And once again, sort of my five ways that it'll be a historical oddity. They didn't repeat this concept mm-hmm. with Galaxy's Edge. Mm-hmm. We're going into a big dark ride. It's a lot about show st- uh, storytelling, looking at a show uh, experience. And then the Millennium Falcon is sort of a whole other thing. It's like a techie thing. It's, it's yeah. kind of Astro Blasters and, and uh, Midway Mania yeah. on steroids, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know. And so I, I really feel like this one is much different than those. Do you think, I wanted to
0: ask you about this before we move too far away from it, though. It is interesting that they, and is this the beginning of this type of storytelling for Disney in Indiana Jones, in that where the other dark rides that we have, they're following a a film or a story. This one takes a different story. They didn't take Raiders of the Lost Ark or Temple of Doom and say, we're going to recreate that. And Temple of Doom is basically just a theme park ride waiting (laughs) to happen. (laughs) Um, But do you feel like that that is the beginning of that kind of storytelling? Like, just like they're doing with Galaxy's Edge, they're not
1: telling you a new hope again. That's a great point, because we're going into the universe Mm -hmm. of Indiana Jones, but we're not directly going into the film. Right. Although one would say that's kind of spoiled by the big conclusion, Mm. because that's famous Indiana Jones. Exactly, exactly. But no, you're right. And I think kind of the hybrid And we talked about this a couple episodes ago. I got even more excited about Galaxy's Edge when I figured out that the Black Spire Outpost, actually, it's based off of an IP, but it's a whole new set of characters and experiences that we'll only ever know from Disneyland. And then it made me think, they didn't invent pirates. They just invented those pirates. They didn't invent haunted uh, house rides, but they did invent those ghosts. Yeah. So it's kind of the hybrid of it has that brand name that makes mom and dad swipe the MX, book mm-hmm. the flights, get the hotel room, but it'll have that adventure where we'll we don't know what part right. of exactly of Black Spire becomes that fan favorite. Mm-hmm. You know, we don't know which one becomes the hitchhiking ghost yeah. or Hatbox Ghost or right. you know these these characters that people love so much that didn't exist before Disneyland built them.
0: Well, and what's neat about Disneyland, too, is I think because it's, it's, it's here forever, it's not going anywhere, <laughs> you get these generations that, grow, like this generation is going to be very tied to this series of films, to this Force Awakens, the, mm-hmm. this time. And they'll grow up and it's nostalgia for them. And then kids are going to grow up without any connection to a film this place and it just exists this might be their first exposure to star wars like
1: toads for kids today. yeah
0: exactly it's just sort of out there like it's It's weird yeah i'm i'm curious to see how that how the star wars feeling you know lasts or does it become a sort of future tomorrowland kind of thing
1: it's i mean rise of the resistance is a massive build out yeah it's probably gonna be that for decades and decades so, you're right. I mean, and it's based on the, the newer facing part of the franchise. Yeah. Like, we're not going through there, as far as I know, and seeing Jabba the Hutt. We're, we're seeing right. the new cast of characters. So, yeah, it, it's a big gamble. And it is interesting to think about how big is the shadow of these properties. Right. Because right. at some point, everything in entertainment becomes a little irrelevant. Yeah. And, you know, if you were to take a five year old to the park today, I would love to know which parts of it resonate with them and yep. which parts don't. Like well, I don't I don't Pinocchio who's this who's this dude? Yeah, exactly. I don't I don't get this, you know? Whereas for you and I it's like we do have those right. seeing them in the theater. Mm-hmm. Remember when now on DVD, you know, yeah. like things coming out. Number 3 is a live action movie based property, a standalone single attraction. It it's It's all of these things that I don't think will happen anymore because, as we've already said in our conversation, attractions in the last five, ten years have fallen into two groups. It's part of a land or a bigger concept. Mm -hmm. The world is bigger than you concept. Or it's a reskin or an overlay. Think about how many things since I feel like the last five years, the fandom of Disneyland has just like imploded on itself. It's gotten bigger and bigger and bigger. Due to YouTube, Instagram, all the social media, all the coverage, people like us, like sort of creating a cottage industry of like, we cover the park now. Mm-hmm. It's a part yeah. of both of our careers. Right. Helps you sell prints, brings new people into the podcast, but it's based on a genuine love that we have. Yeah. People around the world listen to this to get that, like, oh, I can't go to the park once a year, but listen to these guys. <laughs> I feel like I'm there. Like, it's the magic is bigger than ever. But think about in the last five years, how many attractions we've seen, like you said, let's put a sticker on it,
0: mm-hmm.
1: the right. overlay. Right. But when they don't do that now, it's like this has to be the biggest thing ever. Mm-hmm. You know, which is I don't know. Do do you think that, that is that
0: just right now? Uh, because it would be sort of sad to lose the quirky one off. Thing that right. just want to pop up and maybe that's for Florida where they have more room to sort of experiment and we can knock this down in a few years or something like that. Disneyland, it seems more precious and both philosophically and, yeah. and land-wise, yeah. like we don't want to mess around with it. Maybe California Adventure gets more of that stuff. Um, so I don't know if that's sort of the death of, of those kinds of attractions. Um, that's an interesting
1: point. But we'll see. I feel like for Disneyland from now on anything that's built will be much... It will be part of a much larger story. Yeah. IP-based? Everything will be IP-based. Yeah. That That is it. But it, I think that they will try to do more of what we've talked about with Black Spire. Mm-hmm. Inject the new story in something that's familiar. Right. right. The one-two punch. The sort of it sneaks up on you. Like, oh, I didn't realize this would be so special to yeah. me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I do believe that everything will be a Galaxy's Edge, a Toontown, a Cars Land. I'm talking about in the gates of Disneyland. Right, right. Specific. Um it's interesting to watch the evolution of the Marvel land across the gates and how it seems like they're not going all in like they did with galaxy's edge. Mm. And I'll be curious, is this going to be another classic DCA blunder Mm. or do they have this thing so well planned out that they're actually doing that? We just don't see it. They're just breathing between jobs and giving us a little bit while they build a little bit more, but you know, when you looked at the original schematics of Galaxy's Edge, uh-huh. there was already a parcel of land in there that said future expansion. Yep. So I believe that once they finally get rid of the corporate offices behind Small World, mm-hmm. yeah. and how weird will it be to be able to go behind Small World? Yeah. Whatever they build back there, it'll be central in theme. I think that's, that's where we're at. Hmm. And you know, there's a lot of chatter going on that we are that I'm right. I think you agree with me but I can't speak for you. That Tomorrowland is done and that will be a massive rebuild and I just don't see them doing it piecemeal. I see right. them right. Cuz this look at the what Epic does in the age of the internet. Mm-hmm. Like they build this thing, every news media is going to cover it. Like mm-hmm. they didn't even have to spend money on
0: advertising. Yeah. Right.
1: Like the budget on advertising that thing, I'm pretty sure I saw this. It was $500. Yeah. <laughs> they made a fly. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> they made a flyer and they gave it out to five people on YouTube. And now the world knows that it's there. Right. So it's interesting to think that a live action movie based ride that's a standalone, a single attraction, not a part of something big, just like, hey, we're going to go out there and just build something in this spot. I think that when we look back at it, this will be the last time that that happens. Hmm. I just don't see them doing that anymore. I see everything will be like, you know when they build a neighborhood? Yeah. They like map it out. They build some houses. This road's a dead end. Mm-hmm. They don't make it a cul-de-sac because right. they know, boom, that's where the next 50 houses go. Right, phase two. Once we sell the first 50. I think everything now, you know, there's a, there's a map somewhere that we can't get to that it's like, okay, behind... Behind um, It's a Small World, that's the Fantasyland expansion, expansion. expansion, This goes here, this goes here. Phase two's here, phase three's there. Like, I think they got the whole thing already cut up.
0: Yeah. Uh, do you think it's, it's specific or, or do you think it's like we can put something here? Like, we'll knock this down and that
1: can be something or? I think to some point in the far corners, it's like Dark Ride. Restaurant, plaza, shopping. Like, I think they have kind of an idea of we've surveyed the land. We know how much space we have. We know what we need. I think that it'll go here. What what do you think of, like, the Esplanade area? Like, there was a
0: lot of talk for a while. Esplanade. Yeah, that that was going to go away, that that's things are going to start bumping out into that area because of that whole thing with the transportation station that was mm-hmm. going to be where we actually, for the first time, sort of leave this block of Disneyland yeah. and, and things are pushed out to where those hotels are. And seeing how that is like, would we creep beyond Harbor like going that way with stuff or just push all the guests facing stuff out that way and then you enter? How and, you know, wild would know, it just, be? That's a big area.
1: How wild would it be, though, if we... Like what Indiana Jones taught us, yeah. that we go on this walk or we get on one ride vehicle system that, you know, because like the funny thing about Indiana Jones is technically you leave the park. Mm-hmm. Right. You, and I tell people, like I told my dad, I'm like, you know, when you ride this, like we actually go out into the parking lot. And he's like, like the parking garage? Like, yeah. no, 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 dad. Like <laughs> it used to be, ah, never mind, yeah. just ride the ride, just get in the Jeep. But, you know, it's... What we've learned from this attraction is how wild would it be? Because like, now we're like walking a half mile to go underneath the railroad yeah. to go to a big, huge industrial building in the in the form of parking lot. How wild would it be if we're on a ride mechanism that takes us over Harbor yeah. or on the other side of Ball? Exactly. Like to, to actually like – what if you go over the five <laughs> yeah. to get to an attraction? <laughs> exactly. Exactly. But with something like Star Wars where space is related to it, I mean – I've been looking at the layout for the Star Wars Hotel in Orlando. Uh Uh-huh. Yeah. I'm so curious about how they're going to do this illusion of, for two days, you live in a building, Mm -hmm. you're a part of space, but they also are going to commute you in to Galaxy's Edge. Like a monorail kind of thing? Like a... A private shuttle type system. Huh. If I have this figured out, if you stay at the hotel, you get a private of Galaxy's Entrance? Edge. Oh. oh, oh. In- like So say Tuesday nights, it closes at 6 because the hotel guests come in and have it from 6 to midnight. Wow. That kind of a setup. Yeah. By the way, start saving now because you and I got to go there when that opens For up. For sure. For research. going to
0: be crazy. Yes. For research, of course. Jared.
1: Write it off. Write it off. But anyway, I think that the sort of the one and done uh, is done. Yeah. But a lot of the technology of how you get people from... The little parcel of land to the big experience. I think that's the part of Indiana Jones that will stay forever, hmm. because that's problem solving at its finest. Yeah, I mean, you think
0: I think there's going to be a little bit of that with the Mickey ride, right? Probably that yeah. that you're kind of entering through this thing that makes you feel like you're in the ride, but really you're just on a long hallway to another show building.
1: I've always wanted to do a, an attraction because you know I build these all the time. Yes. I've always thought it would be fantastic if there was ever another Disneyland and once I took a stab at designing one. Um, Imagine going through a shop that has an entrance to an attraction, Mm -hmm. like a secret. You know what I mean? Right. right, Obviously, everybody would know that it's there, but not exit through the gift shop, like go through a shop. And then you board a boat that takes you out the skull Island. Yeah. You know what yeah, I mean? Like yeah. that kind of storytelling where it's like, oh, behind the gypsies or how you right. get to the thing. You or know? a restaurant. When you're yeah. done with your meal, we take you to this magical place. Yeah. That'd be so great. Number four on why it's an oddity over the span of time is it's an, it's an attraction without a true identity. This will be one that we look at forever. Is it a thrill ride or is it a dark ride? Mm-hmm. Is it storytelling or is it a roller coaster? Right. And it's somewhere in the middle. And this seems like the first time that they realize we don't have to give people Snow White or Space Mountain. We can do both. Yes, And we see that perfected a little bit more in Cars Land, mm-hmm. which is a great ride. Cars Radiator Racers has three acts to the story. Mm-hmm. Taking a casual cruise. Things go crazy. And now we're racing. Yeah. Whoa! Slow down. We're <laughs> ain't racing yet. So it's that's Indiana Jones concept, yeah. right? Like yeah. it can be a little bit of all these things. Mm-hmm. You know, we we want to appeal to the older kids, but also make sure that it's family friendly and abide by our own set of rules. Yeah, I, I think Indiana Jones, especially for the time that it came out, it. it it adopted a lot of the...
0: It's a little bit Pirates. It's a little bit yeah, Haunted Mansion. Yeah, um, It's all these little things that um, sort of... You took all the good things from different rides. Not all of them are successful, in my opinion, but that's what they're striving for here.
1: What do you feel about an Indiana Jones, the blacklight aspects of the ride? That gives it
0: sort of a carnival feel to it a little. You know, it's sort of... I, I don't know. There are, yeah. You talk <laughs> while I awesome. shoot the arrows. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I think that's a great effect. And more stuff like that, the more we can get of that kind of stuff, yeah. the better. Some of the black light stuff, there are aspects like even that snake, which I'm sure wasn't cheap at the time, a little cheesy, you yeah. know, a little stiff and kind of like, what is it? <laughs> um, so there is sort of a throwback feel to it, like a, an expensive carnival uh, madhouse kind of thing. Um, but I don't know if it's because it is such a long ride too, you do have to sort of make up for, well, what are we seeing this whole time? Even the way it switches back and it, it uses its space wisely. Yeah. Um, there are still sort of some of the effects on all, some of those lighting effects where it's like they, they have the this sort of smoke in there so that you can see the rats falling on them. Right,
1: right. I'm kind of lost on that. <laughs> yeah. But I mean, it's also, once again, making it a true hybrid is it, it's kind of the beginning of projection. Yeah. You know, light projection, digital mapping on physical pieces of the ride. Uh, The black light stuff for me is, it feels fantasy land. Mm -hmm. It feels throwback, but it, once again, when I was riding, I'm like, this part feels a little bit cheap. Yeah. Like it feels like some of that stuff, if they would do it today, all of that would be fabricated. Mm -hmm. It may only be six inches in depth, but it would all be. Fabricated skeletons yeah. adhered to the wall. It wouldn't... Backlit or something. Yeah, yeah. 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 Uh, so that part of it does feel a little bit of weird. But really, when you think about when it opened up, it had a little bit of every ride before it inside yeah. of it. Yeah. Technology speaking, mm-hmm. storytelling speaking. A lot of those hallways, too, are interesting that they're used to manage the speed and distance between the cars and the bigger showrooms. Mm-hmm. So, sometimes you kind of go slow or it feels like you're breaking down, and the vehicle is actually designed to like stutter a little bit. Yes. To let people experience the the big showroom. And then, last but not least, I think one of the ways that we'll look at this as a beloved Disneyland oddity is that it's the first ever storytelling ride system. I like to refer to it as it's a moving stage that looks like a Jeep. Hmm. The wheels on the Jeep really don't do anything. Right, right. You're on a track. But think about the idea of how much story can we put into the ride system?
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Can the ride system react and move and sway and go left and right? And this is a very early crude development of what you're going to see on the Guardians of the Galaxy roller coaster mm-hmm. out at World. Mm-hmm. That or Crushes coaster uh, over in Paris. The Guardians of the Galaxy cart is incredibly smart. Mm. You're riding on a roller coaster. Where the cart can now go 360 and go left and right. So imagine going on a big right turn, Mm -hmm. but your cart can kind of swing around so you can fully watch the entire projection or animatronic room that you're going through. Yeah. So you can... Take them on a journey, make their body feel the centrifugal force, but spin them around to show them the part of the show that you want them to see. So this is the first time that they've used something like this, I'd imagine, right? Everything else was pretty
0: much track and ride system straight ahead.
1: I thought about it. Before Indiana Jones, the craziest it got was your doom buggy would pivot. Right. <laughs> right. Kind of swivel. Yeah. There yeah. you are. Because I think
0: the, the ride system is really the, the star of this thing, because it's the one thing I think that was the most surprising to me, that it really does kind of toss you around. Like, you really do have to hold on. And you yeah. You think it's just going to be this little Jeep ride with some bumps and stuff, but it's a very smooth thing too it's not all rickety so i think that's one of the the most impressive elements of this this entire ride the rest is sort of just set dressing but um yeah uh, but then to think that it's going to take that long if this is like you said the newer attraction for disneyland we didn't use that cart system again in anything even in dca i don't think they've used anything that elaborate have they
1: no it's like they really swung for the fences with indy Mm -hmm. And then just kind of chilled out. Yeah. But I think buying the Marvel properties got them back into that idea of we've got to create a more storytelling experience than just on a cart going by props. Or a boat, yeah. Yeah. So if you look at the the cart system of it, it will for sure look back as that was the first swing at storytelling Mm. begins In the seat. In the vehicle. Because, you know, it was inspired by Star Tours. Mm. Star Tours is, you could go to a mall and do that. I mean, it's a really good version of what you could do at the mall. Right. But the idea of Tony Baxter of, can we put Star Tours on wheels? Yeah. And, you know, they took a swing at it. It breaks down a lot. Yeah. It's not an efficient ride. And then, you know, it it shuts down for long periods for maintenance. (laughs) And I can only imagine the amount of engineers that they have Mm -hmm. to have on staff. Every time that thing's running. But what a great idea. And I think the next wave of that, I think over the next 10 years as yeah. the Marvel attractions build. And, you know, by the way, I don't know if you know this, Avengers uh, like made a lot of money. I've heard something about this little indie film. Expect more. Expect yeah. more. And then the last part of, of sort of the ride system and storytelling, they did the fake you out of... Which door will you choose? Right, right. And that back in great. the day, the doors just actually move. Right. Now you always go through the center. But that's planting the seed of the future mm-hmm. of the Wi-Fi rides. Hmm. And part of the problem of Rise of the Resistance is they're having a hard time with the signal strength of the carts because that's going to be an attraction where there's no track, uh-huh. which therefore would allow you to believe that. You could go to the left one time, Mm. go to the right the other, go to the center. Also, it allows the carts with Mickey's uh, runaway train. You're not really on a train. You're on Wi-Fi carts. Mm. So at some point, the cart that you're in could maybe come off the rails and go on a different journey. And it also allows the big show experience, like what we saw with Beauty and the Beast, where Mm. all of the teacups can come into a room, go in a circle... For a circle pattern for, say, a minute and a half. Yeah. While we dance with Belle and the Beast. Mm-hmm. And then we can all, once again, go on our own singular paths. Have you been on a... Did you go on the Ratatouille ride? I did. That's a trackless system as well, right? Yes. I was beyond excited to do my first ever trackless ride. Right. Was not impressed. Really? How come? What? Did it not feel as It's all movie screens. Uh. It just... That par that Paris Park, their Hollywood yeah, studios, right. built on a budget. <laughs> I mean, I, I felt thought. like when I left, I'm like, do you guys do you have a Kickstarter? <laughs> is there is there a GoFundMe I can throw a little money in? You guys, you guys could use some help. Uh, I was not impressed. Yeah, and then once again with uh, Luigi's Dancing Cars, sure, it's kind of fun. It's too fast to really understand the technology, but um, Indiana Jones plants the seed sure. of what if what if we can have three tracks mm-hmm. that meet up in the middle or go here or go there and even the the loading system, you know, you load on the left or the right, right, and then you see that big turntable sort of spin around yeah. to, to put it together. Um so I think historically if you look at this ride, those are its five sure major like contributions and how it'll just sort of be seen as an oddity of of a of a ride of its time and what it meant to the bigger picture of Disneyland. Mm. So now I would like to say that it is the Disneyland middle child. (laughs) It's strong. It's independent. But you can easily see all of the influence that came before it. And we can also see how everything will be influenced after it. Mm. And that's why I want to tell you that Indiana Jones is Disneyland's disco. Disco, interesting. Disco Disco was built on the backbone of rock and roll. Okay, as a response, as a response, but it was also a response to pop music. Mm -hmm. It came in hard, it came in fast. People loved it, but then they grew tired of it and they went away from it. But yet, there's still disco songs Mm -hmm. that at any wedding, get up on the floor, Rich. (laughs) We're going out there and we're disco dancing. And you can still feel its beats, loops, and rhythms. And Hip hop, yep. and and pop. I think Indiana Jones is the disco music of Disneyland. Hmm, interesting. It is a beloved attraction, though, wouldn't you say? A lot of people, the the smashing rides yeah. fan, loves it. Yeah, it's thrill, it's story. Oh man, we rode it five times. Like, I only ride it when people are in from out of town. Yeah, yeah, just because I find it so exhausting to get to it. Yeah. That's not to say that I don't think that it's beautiful journey, mm-hmm. but there's one part of it that drives me nuts. It's once you're finally to the ride and you walk up those narrow steps yeah. with people always right behind you. Exactly. And you go across that bridge and there's that one spot where the air conditioning is so cool. I'll <laughs> stand there all day. <laughs> I have a rule. When I get to the stairs down to the ride system, yeah, yeah. I will not go down those stairs until it's a clear path to the bottom. That's right. I don't care how, yeah. oh, man, what is this going to I'll go around you if you're not going to move. Nope. I'm moving. I'm not getting stuck on those stairs yep. for 30 minutes like I have before. Yeah. Do you go left or right at the first set? Do you care? Do you go try to, stay, the the shortest, try try to stay, stay to the left. Try to stay to the left. And yeah. then I always request to the cast member, and by the way, Best dressed cast members. Yeah. I always say, if you don't mind, could we please have a front row? Yeah. I only ride this in the front row. Really? Yes. And if you're bringing people in from out of town, yeah, that's for sure. They have to ride the Mm -hmm. front row for the grand finale to really work on them. Yeah. To all the pros out there, to all the APs, to all my smash in the park buds, next time you ride Indiana Jones with some friends, don't do this to, to mom and dad that came out for the first time. But if you and your buds are out there smashing the park, ripping rides, <laughs> do this for me because this is a fun way to ride it. Ride it with all of you in the front row. Keep your hands up the whole time. Oh, yeah. See? Never touch the bar. There you go. Always keep your hands above your head for the entire attraction. You will get slung around. Yes. You will bump into each other. <laughs> yes. It will be a whole different ride if you keep your hands up in the air. Oh, the Oh, I can't imagine. I'm too old, I think, now. I'll get back problems. So now that we've kind of broke down sort of the design and its place in history, I'd love to give you my my pick, some of the things I love about it the most. Okay. Bricks Picks. Are you ready? (laughs) Indiana Jones Edition. It has possibly, even though it's not my favorite ride, it has possibly the best showroom at Disneyland. Okay. The big room with the deteriorating face that's now a skull with the old green laser that Mm -hmm. used to track you. With the bridge going over fire, the wall of skulls. Don't forget to look up when you go through the skull. Yeah, because there's a projected mm-hmm. phantom above you, which does look pretty carnival-y. a little bit. That is possibly the best showroom that they've ever built right now inside the walls of Disneyland. Mm-hmm. It's I- big. It's epic. It's hot. It's great. When you turn that corner and you see that thing, and the fire comes
0: up, and you're always you're very aware when any of those effects aren't working (laughs) yeah (laughs) because the first time you see it it's very uh engaging and just exactly what i think that's the big money shot it's weird to give you that money shot at the front yeah uh and then you do see the other
1: jeeps going and that uh, layering yeah yeah you see other adventures happening Mm -hmm. yeah that that room is phenomenal although they're very cartoony Mm -hmm. i do like the snakes you do. Both the snakes that like lead you up to Mara and then when you go around the corner and it's like the, the snake big, comes over. Yeah. I love that they're they look like they're designed in Illustrator. They yeah. They're very vectory. <laughs> right? Yes, they are. They are. They don't they didn't go for like a natural animal. Right. They went for how would it be carved out of stone mm. by an Egyptian. Right. Right? right? Yeah. And so I, I do love the snakes as well as even though it's a Maybe show building, the temple out front is pretty cool. Yeah, I sure. just wish it was a little bit bigger, mm. a little more visible. Yeah, and maybe had a little bit of a different light signature. Yeah, you're
0: ushered past, especially now that they don't let you. Uh, you're either standing outside now in that in the queue down below, or, or then they rush you through right to that film area. So you do miss a lot of that stuff on the way in.
1: Yeah, they. they I mean the 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 big walk. It's sometimes lost on you because they just keep them going, keep them going. I do wonder, though, going back to opening day. How would it have been to be stuck in there, mm. seeing it all for the first time? When you're like, "Whoa, look at these paintings! Whoa, look at this, look at that!" Like that would have been interesting.
0: That's what we did. We went for that first summer that it opened, and they had little. Um, they did this again for the '90s. And they gave you little cards with the sponsored by AT and T. Yeah, and so you can decode all the little language. I mean, so this was the first time where it felt like they were really trying to entertain you in the queue with the falling ceilings and the. Uh, things you can step on and things like that. Um,
1: but think about that—that that code that you had to uh, break apart on your AT and T card. Yeah, yeah. Imagine if everybody was holding an electronic device. Absolutely. That we all could program in their experience. Like that is the analog version yep. of the Disney Play app in Galaxy's Edge. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It's been fun looking at the oldest attraction or the newest attraction to think about how it has played into this new launch like I'm very happy that we picked this time to do this because you really see a lot of the threads of Disneyland and how the history pours through the whole park Citizens of Disneyland thank you so much for listening to Disneyland for Designers episode number 4 how did we do? let us know did we make you see Indiana Jones in a different light? does it feel more tied into the bigger view of Disneyland history Do you have a better understanding of everything that makes this attraction perfect? Came from the art of designing within restraint. Problem solving. That's what the Imagineers do best, in my opinion. Don't forget to celebrate our fifth episode of Disneyland for Designers. The Magical Idea shirt is available for a limited time to pre-order for the next 13 days. Hurry, get your order in by Monday, May 20th, 2019 shirts start shipping first week in June and then the design goes into the Disneyland for Designers vault forever we will see you next time on Disneyland for Designers episode 6 where we finally get to review Star Wars Galaxy's Edge, Millennium Falcon Smuggler's Run that's a mouthful and the Black Spire Outpost its shops and its citizens and our experiences so we hope to see you there but until then We hope to see you the next time you step into the magic of Disneyland. Hey friends, thank you so much for listening to today's free version of Disneyland for Designers episode five. Really appreciate you showing up and would appreciate if you share it with a friend. Right now, let's start the Circle of Trust content over at AID.network where we've got 30 more minutes of Disneyland for Designer coming your way.